Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's Diddy NFL on X. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers on X and everywhere. Um, and as usual, I'm joined by myself. Look, this is a bumper episode and there's a reason for our absence. Uh, did we take a bye week? Yes. Was it deliberate this time? Yes. Look, the stats drop when there's a loss and people get fed up and they want to kick the cat and we look we just don't want any animal cruelty all right when it comes to um great bay packer football so we took a bit of a a longer absence so with that being said this is usually our quick snaps show um and i had some lovely people reach out and ask for the podcast which is always nice you know it's it's like when if you don't show up and no one notices it's not great. So uh, thanks to everybody out there who's listening along. So look, what we're going to do is I'm going to tackle. It's a bumper show. So I'm going to tackle a couple of different topics which you tackle. I'm going to have a look at Matt LaFleur after the bye and the stats there. Um, I'm going to put a bit of context to stuff at the very beginning. I'm going to look at Love versus Rogers through five weeks as starters. I'm going to recap the Raiders game. We're going to preview the Broncos game, but I'm going to do that with the help of you guys because I went out uh, looking for canvassing for data against the Broncos, which I love people calling the Denver Donkeys. Uh, yeah, it fits. Um, and I've got a lot of love for their losing streak solely because Nathaniel Hackett, who we had a lot of time for, uh, was in Denver and Sean Payton threw him under the bus and now Sean Payton's there and he's getting absolutely spankolid. Now that's it, you know. Um, we did see some performances from them and it's one of those booby games but that's where we're going to look at LaFleur's stats after the bye week um, and also I just want to mention we're going to Green Bay next week god damn it this thing flew around so if you're living under a rock you won't know that we go off to Green Bay every single year uh, it's a tour with touchdown trips and excitement doesn't even come into it Um and especially when you contextualize some of the stuff that's happening and to see Jordan Love in the flesh and to get back to the Packers Pro Shop, all that good stuff. So it's going to be great. So do stay tuned to social channels, particularly the ones with video, uh, because I'll be putting up loads of videos of the journey and I'm hoping to do more video work as well. So anyway, let's take a look. Look, the Packers are coming off a bye week. Uh, it's disappointing. We are two and three. Um, but I sort of put it out after the Raiders game. And I asked a similar question, you know, where do people think we are at this stage? Um, and it's sort of, the feedback is overwhelming, right? Coming into this season, what did you expect? Yes, I'm talking to you, listen. What did you expect? I mean, you know, it wasn't a playoff. It would have been great, but you temper expectations, right? You know, you look at it and you go, you know, Jordan Love's in there being a starter. LaFleur has to adjust. Basically, everyone he has to throw to is a rookie, all the tight ends, apart from the Guara rookies, you know, it could be dodge. And do we have back to Ari or not? Who knows? But when you look at it, you go, you know what? And this is overwhelming, right? From people that, and I'm going to read out some of the tweets and stuff from you guys later on. But the overwhelming thing is, look, six to eight wins, you'd be happy with, right? Six to eight. And that was with the assumption that from looking at the squad that we have, Aaron Jones, 
David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Christian Watson, Jair Alexander, um, and the list goes on. Now, I know this is the big talking point, right? I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but I just want to recalibrate the expectation. So with those assumed to be playing, because this was the narrative, right? If you cast your mind back, well, we've got Aaron Jones and he's a standout player. And what I was saying is, is that for the Packers to have success, what they need to do is they need to lean on Aaron Jones, not as a rusher, but also as a receiver. That keeps the defense honest. And then we end up without him. So if I was to say to you, what do you expect with a full strengthish squad? As much as you can do in the season, you would have said six to eight wins. That seems to be the consensus. So how many wins now without them? And I know the temptation is somehow to discount it all, right? And to blame LaFleur and to blame Joe Barry and all that. I'm not being a homer saying the coaches are perfect. They quite clearly are not, right? Because there's an awful lot of question marks over, is the squad even up for it? Um, but I know the temptation is, is to just discount it and the coaches lead the charge with this and they say, lol, it's next man up mentality. But let's be frank, why are, you, why are we saying that? Why are we discounting your left tackle one, your left guard one, your wide receiver one, your running back one? Why are we saying that next man up is the requirement and, you know, you just have to get the next guy to come in and fill in and he has to do it, he's a professional and that's what we do. It's simply just not the case. It sounds great and it's really noble stuff, right? And it's that typical thing of, you know, for all of those heads who work in the corporate world, certainly, that I know intimately, is that the further you get up through the food chain, the more you cannot dare tell your boss that you have an issue, but you don't have a solution. And that's what this sort of reeks to me, you know, is is trying to say you know, the next man up and we selected them on the roster and they got a place because they're good enough. And it's not true. Like, starters are starters for a reason. Uh, be it talent, playing time, experience, you know, whatever it is, um, the, the starters are a starter for a reason. Otherwise, they'd just be rotating players in and out. Who's your first, who's your Orby one? Uh, anybody. It doesn't matter. You know, the, the next man up, off you go. It's a pretty ridiculous thing to say. And to prove it, right, if you look at LaFleur, he said that 80 to 90% of his pass plays when Devontae Adams was in town with Rodgers, uh, they were all, 80 to 90% of them were, were based around Devontae Adams. So naturally enough, when Devontae Adams goes out, well, then you're in trouble, right? Because you've geared your playbook to Devontae Adams. Not only that, but Rodgers has a tendency to go to Adams. Why? Because he's phenomenal. His footwork is amazing. His separation is brilliant. He's probably going to be getting separation. So, of course, you look to him first and you can get bad habits, blah, blah, blah. But if you're telling me that there's zero impact when your top running back and your top wide receiver don't play, I just think it's bonkers. Um, You shouldn't be expected to win or operate anywhere near the same level without them. And they kept saying that about Aaron Rodgers, you know, like he's carrying the team. He's not. He's Aaron Rodgers. He's in your team. You paid for him. And this is the level of that's why you paid for him. If it was next man up, well, then you all the contracts would look the same. But no, if you had Aaron Rodgers, he was playing at a Super Bowl winning level, a first ballot Hall of Fame level. He's not carrying the team. He is the team. He's part of the team. So you just can't operate. And if you want further proof, Christian McCaffrey went out injured for the Niners at the weekend and they lost. The The Niners hadn't won, lost the game all season. Super Bowl favourites lost. And you might go, well, who was the squad? The Browns. 
The Browns was the squad. And who was the quarterback for the Browns? PJ Walker. And I know what you're saying. Who? Here was Here's a guy who was signed by the Browns to their practice squad in August after training camp. He made seven starts for the Panthers. His completion percentage was 57%. He had five touchdowns and 11 interceptions. And if you look at his stats in that Niners game, it was on par with those stats. It wasn't good. So here's the Niners who are seen as, oh, it's just triple, quadruple, uh, quintuple, uh, octagon, you know, unbelievable. And they lose Christian McCaffrey and they're done. So I wanted to dig a little bit deeper, right? And I was sort of looking at, you know, how much stock can we put into bad play calling or players being out? And if this whole strat- this whole thing of, well, we've got AJ Dillon and, you know, Taylor and Popman. Pop- the thing is, Aaron Jones is the key to this offense, and I'm going to show you why. Um, and to do it, I'm going to look at the season last year and the season before. And it's quite clear that when Aaron Jones, there's a few except, very few exceptions, but when Aaron Jones rushes for under 60 yards, we lose. Or when Aaron Jones isn't the top rusher, being that he's injured or he's taken out of the game, we lose. Uh, and I'll prove that to you. 2022, week one, Minnesota. Jonesy goes for 49 yards. We lose. The next game against Chicago, he goes for over 100. We win. Week four against New England, he goes for 110. We win. Uh, week six, week five is the exception. He goes for 63. So he's three yards over this mythical 60-yarder. And we lose. Um, And then... We come up against uh, week six and it's Dylan goes for 41 yards. He's our top rusher. We lose week seven. Washington Jones is 23 yards. We lose uh, week nine. Rogers is the top rusher. We lose week 11. Jones goes for 40. We lose uh, Dylan is the top rusher in week 12. We lose uh, week 18. Jones goes for 48 yards and we lose. So let's look at week 17. Jones 111 win. Week 15, Jones 90, win. Week 10, Jones 138, we win. You know, so it's quite clear that, and you might sort of go, well, that's obvious, Steve. If you've got a good running game, you're spanking them and all this type of stuff. But there was a game against Buffalo. We lost 27-17 and Jones went for over 143 yards. So it does happen. However, when Jones doesn't go over 60 or isn't their leading rusher, well, then we tend to lose. Um, and I think it's obviously there's nuance there right if you have a running back who runs for over 100 the likelihood is is you win the game and there's probably stats out there for it but we've reduced the threshold to 60 so when you're keeping the defense honest with Aaron Jones and he's catching passes and uh, you know he's he's the safety valve guy well then you win the game if he's not playing well they nullify him or he's injured and isn't playing we lose the games and remember, this is with our these these are all with Aaron Rodgers, by the way. So it's nothing to do with Jordan Love. Uh, let's go to twenty twenty one, week one. Dylan nineteen yards. Jones is on the sheet. Uh, we lose. Week two against Detroit. Jones sixty seven yards. We win. Jones eighty two yards. The next game we win. Jones one hundred and three in week five. We win. Jones seventy six in week six. We win. Jones goes for fifty three in week nine. We lose. Dylan goes for fifty three in week eleven we lose so i mean it's quite clear that aaron jones is a pivotal part of this offense when he plays well we play well and it's all about pre-snap motion it's about run first offense 
and it's quite clear when Aaron Jones is playing we have an exponentially better chance of winning when he goes over 60 we're nearly guaranteed the win um, and there's a lot to it as I say they're keen in on him they have to focus on him it opens up for other people um, and we end up grinding it out so is it important and is it next man up that wide receiver number one running back number one left tackle no left guard yes of course it is right and that just goes to prove it and that's why the biggest signing the Packers did a couple of years ago was retaining Aaron Jones against all odds he took a pay cut to stay and I don't think that can be understated um so let's have a look at LaFleur after a bye week because one of the problems with LaFleur sometimes is when they went out west, he didn't have them up for the game and his words and his excuse was is that, oh, the players just weren't there to play and that is not acceptable. Your players have to be up for the game. Um, and I'm going to take a look at the results that have happened you know, this year as well and just sort of briefly analyze is it as bad so 2019 LaFleur's first year uh, lost to San Francisco after the bye it's a week 11 bye we come in week 12 we lose we lose considerably it's 37-8 and you might go San Francisco were a great squad at that time which is true uh, but we completely uh, disintegrated and we weren't up for the game after the bye which was a massive talking point at the time if you remember 2020 we lose to Tampa Bay 38-10 um, week five by quite early week six we make the loss you look at that and go you know Tampa Bay were a good squad at the time again is true but to lose 38-10 the talking point guess what we weren't up for the game uh, so again that comes down to coaching not good enough the po- two years after that have been quite good so we win against the Bears 45-30 defense does us no favors that's after a week 13 by and a week 14 by against the LA Rams we win 24-12 and the Rams weren't a great squad. So now we're coming up against the Denver Broncos. And I don't want to get ahead of myself and look into, you know, how are we going to do for that kind of stuff um, because I'm going to let you guys speak for that. But let's have a quick comparison and remind ourselves then about last year. So after six weeks last year, the Packers were 3-3. Three and three. The Packers now are 2-3 and three because we have that bye week sandwiched in there as well and when you look at how the Packers get on after that point last year after nine games uh, they lose five straight games from week five to week nine to have a three and six record um, and again I don't need to remind you we end the season eight and nine um, so is it Jordan Love is it bad play calling is it lack of weapons is it yada 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 the thing is is the Packers were a poor team last year are they a poor team this year I don't think so. I think we're missing too many pieces with too many new players to make a proper comparison and a proper judgment. Um, You look at the Bears week one, at the Bears 38-20, we were up for it. The game against the Falcons, we lose by a point. We could have won that game in the end. It wasn't to be. The Saints, we go down heavy and make the, what, third biggest comeback in Packers history. Um, maybe the biggest one in the fourth quarter or whatever it was uh, versus the Saints in, in Lambeau Field 18-17 we win by a point we come up against the Lions we're steamrolling everybody we lose 34-20 again you know that doesn't really do us justice because in the third quarter and that's the thing the Packers are notoriously bad in the first half particularly the first quarter but against the Lions you know typically no shame and then against the Raiders we lose 17-13 so are the Packers being blown out? No. 
Um, if we look at last year, you know, week one, we lost 23-7. Uh, there was a loss against the Jets, 27-10. Um, a loss against the Buffalo Bills, 27-17. Uh, we lost against the Detroit Lions, 15-9. That was a winnable game. Um, we lost against the Titans, 27-17. So these are all fairly hefty losses. Now, they, of course, our season is still young. Maybe we end up the same way. But it's certainly not a change of fortune <laughs> as such. Um, it's like we've moved on from Aaron Rodgers and some of the veteran players uh, and receivers and, you know, Bobby Tanyan and all those guys. And we've subbed in, you know, one of the youngest teams in the NFL and we're getting much the same production. So is that a reflection on last year? Is it a reflection on this year? I'll let you decide. But certainly it wasn't blown out. So look, I can't go any further without actually addressing my thoughts on the Raiders game. And I don't think it was as bad as people made out. Um, and I took sort of a blow-by-blow account of what I thought about the first and second half. And I'll just run through it quickly and I won't bore you. But Max Crosby, game wrecker. And how they let him ruin the game is beyond me. Um, now, he's a good player, and that's the thing. And you can focus on that and go, oh, how terrible. But he's a he's a fantastic player. Uh, he's capable of doing it, and he did because of O-line. was well, shocking. Preston Smith was good. Uh, Rasul Douglas was great. Rudy Ford in the first half, I wasn't convinced. Uh, Anders Carlson, flawless. I mean, whatever about his leg strength coming out of college and the bafflement of drafting him and all that kind of stuff... Um, it looked pretty un, you know, uninventive, if that's a word, with AJ Dillon in the first half. Did he have any outside runs? Probably not. Uh, the defense did well. They held out well after that interception. Um, they stopped the run and they do really well at the start of the game. Then it seems like they can't stop the run, and then they're sensational again. So it's that inconsistency. Another positive from the game was is Keyshawn Nixon not taking the ball out of her own end zone from like nine yards deep. Um, I think that was really important and he was definitely under instruction to do it. Josh Nyman or Nishman, as we were told to call him a couple of years ago, but his name's obviously changed again. Uh, Fingertip the field goal at the end, which was a great play. And the game at the half was 10-3, which was all to play for. Uh, but the one outstanding thing for me was is Myers, the wide receiver for the Raiders, gouges us at times with massive chunk plays and triple coverage. Um, and it just seems like we're just always liable to give up these big pass plays, a couple, at least a couple of pass plays per game. Um, but look, like I said at the top, the Packers are not blown out by any of these teams. They never seem totally out of it. Um, but the concerning thing, like I mentioned about the bye weeks earlier on, is that LaFleur doesn't seem to have the team up for it, and he doesn't have the answers after a long layoff. Um, and I'll go on to talk about like their, our success in the red zone a little bit later on uh, because I know LaFleur got criticism for that but look the Raiders are one of the bottom teams in the NFL if you're going to script your beginning it needs to go a little bit better anyway flip on to the second half Enigbare is having a fantastic game he's showing real flashes uh, Rudy Ford who for me doesn't pass the smell test sometimes um, this year particularly but he redeems himself he gets his pick to come out strong and then Dylan has a great series and he caps that with a touchdown Um he must be fed up, the, fed up of the online slander because I see an awful lot of stuff online about how bad he is and he's not the answer. And, you know, he, I said it before, he's no Aaron Jones. But the things he's been asked to do, particularly go back and look at the highlights even of that first half and look at the runs he's been given. It's just straight up the gut stuff time and time again. Now, whether that's because his skill set isn't the cut 
um, and to go outside. I don't know, but again, great series. Um, Love makes an amazing play to Watson, and this is the controversial part of the game. He's horse-collared uh, to prevent the touchdown. And I'm going to play a soundbite from Josh McDaniels, and I'm not going to be a moaner about it because it is what it is, right? And I'm Irish and I've got no real emotions. But I think something has to be done about it. And people will always say it's like watching Formula One. Max Verstappen, if you're a Verstappen fan, he can't do any wrong. And if you're a Lewis Hamilton fan, he can't do any wrong. Um, and it's really tedious. But in soccer, it's the equivalent to, like, you know, slide tackling some dude. The last man, uh, and it's, a, it's an instant red. And they were raising questions like if he was in for a surefire touchdown, like rugby to give him the penalty try um, or what do you do there but to make matters worse and to make it even more cynical uh, this is what Josh McDaniels had to say after the game about that play Josh I want to take you to the um, goal line stand after the long pass and there was a penalty I think they're at the three yard line yep kind of the key to the game right there that you guys held in the field goal yeah touchdown. yeah and talk to Marcus it's the right penalty you know um, you know that that's a really smart play in a critical time in the game and you know if it's the first quarter in the middle of the field you don't want a horse collar you know but if you're saving a touchdown on a long play like that you at least give yourself a chance to play a few more downs which he did um, and then the defense really rose up and, and played well I thought they played well all night for the most part yikes uh, so there he is it, like I mean it's outlawed for a reason it's a dangerous play uh, Christian Watson's father came out after the game and just said like it's complete BS and you have to agree with it you know because when you see it and you're like yeah it looks cynical and apparently there is um, I think who did I get this from I can't remember um, Pro Football Talk eek I can't believe I got it from there where there's something like 17 mentions in the NFL rule book about you know basically a deliberate penalty play like that and the ramifications and stuff that you can do and the refs didn't decide to do anything so a really smart play uh, a dangerous play and if it was football it'd be the equivalent of and you've, we've seen it before of deliberately handling the ball as an outfield player on the goal line getting sent off giving your team the opportunity to save the penalty and they do and that's exactly what happened so and as well as that like I mentioned sort of a little bit briefly before before any wholesale criticism comes out of the floor, the team coming into this game is fourth in red zone offense, which I guess is a surprise why you know we went on to lose the game um, as well. But it was a good defensive performance to stop AJ Dillon twice, and then when it got to third down, the pass just wasn't on. Uh, but the Packers took the lead there at thirteen ten, and then it all went downhill, and Love gets intercepted and. Uh, we sort of we know how it ends but again you know we didn't get blown out in that game and um, it was a disappointing performance but never felt to me that we were completely out of the game and it just kind of damp squeebed its way out um which is annoying and of course look you, you've a new fresh shiny quarterback in there and the criticism is flying around but there's a lot of knee-jerk reaction i find uh flying around the interweb um, about Jordan Love and is he the one and oh he's the guy now he's not the guy there's going to be teething pains and I'll just remind you I mean seven to eight wins is what we expected at the start of the season he's lost the majority of his weapons uh, for a large portion of it so to be where we're at are we any worse than last year probably not but let's do a comparison shall we and let's look at well how is Jordan Love getting on and how did Aaron Rodgers get on? Because I did this comparison in the preseason, and I'm going to keep doing it uh, sporadically uh, till the end of this season as well, just to see where we're at. Um, so Jordan Love, uh, this season, 
uh, and Aaron Rodgers in 2008 when he came in. And this is what this is the glaring thing that's not been spoken about, right? If you look at the weapons that Aaron Rodgers had when he came in in 2008, he had Ryan Grant, uh, who went on to rush for 1,200 yards that season. Uh, he had Greg Jennings, who went 1,292 yards receiving. And now I know what you're going to say. Well, yeah, that's because Aaron Rodgers was thrown on the ball, which is a fair point. But again, it's Greg Jennings. Uh, Donald Driver, he had 1,012 yards on the season. Um, and then if you look at the defense that he had, you know, Campman's in there, good old Johnny Jolly, Ryan Pickett, uh, Nick Barnett, AJ Hawk, Charles Woodson, Al Harris, Nick Collins. Woodson, Harris and Collins all went to the Pro Bowl that year. So when you look at the defense and you look at the offensive weapons that he has and, you know, you look at all of the um, those sports illustrated covers and they, you know, Jordy Nelson's pop up and Randall Cobb's pop up in the future. He had a lot of weapons. So you can, again, you can point the finger and say he made them what they were, yada, yada. But Greg Jennings, hell of a player. Um, and then you look at what Love has at his disposal, particularly in the first couple of games. Um, so if you look at Rodgers in 2008, uh, the top receiver in all five of his first games is Greg Jennings. And the high in rushing is Grant in four of the five, uh, Jackson being in the second game. So after five games in 2008, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers were two and three. Would you believe? And Jordan Love is, you guessed it, two and three. And yes, we can look at their stats and their passing yards and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty comparative. So week one, Rogers 178. Week one for Love, 245. It's kind of ridiculous to go week by week as if it means anything. Uh, Rogers throws for 300 yards in week two. It's a 48-25 drubbing of the Lions. Oh, we'd love to have those Lions back. And then after that, it's 290, 165 and 313. And Love is 151, 259, 246 and 182. So yes, there are games there where Rogers throws for more. Uh, but ultimately, it all comes back to being the same type of season. And if you look at the highs and receptions um, for Jordan Love, it's Aaron Jones uh, rushing and receiving in week one, then Dontavian Wicks, then Romeo Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs, and then Christian Watson. So I think the caliber of Jennings, 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 Jennings versus Jones, Wicks, Dobbs, and Watson, um, I don't know what that tells us. Does it tell us anything? Does it mean that Jordan Love is getting the ball around more? He's following the offensive game plan. Um, does it tell us that Greg Jennings is fantastic? Does it say that Aaron Rodgers was a prolific passer from the beginning? Either way, whatever way it washes out, the uh, record is the same. And I'm sure there was the same narratives whizzing around, you know, the Brett Favre move to Rodgers and the Rodgers move to Love. Uh, but the numbers, as you can see, there are pretty comparative. So are we any worse off than last year? Not really. Is it any different than 2008? Well, it's an identical record. Um, is Aaron Jones being out important? Obviously. And I've proved that over the last two years. And also when you look at Christian McCaffrey with the Niners. So all of this stuff, I don't think, can be sort of isolated and spoken about and all this given out done, to be honest. But anyway, let's have a look at the Broncos. Will we bounce back was the question. And where do you think we go from here? And this is where we get into quick snaps, if you will. <laughs> Probably, what are we, half an hour into the podcast? But I can't let quick snaps go by without going, oh, it's the quick snapage for your bigger backage. It's actually kind of long snaps. Long snapage? It's uh, 
snaps are long for your giant. Um, let's go and read some tweets. Uh, Stephen, this is Clem Fandango. Yeah, I know who you are. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. What do you want? Just letting you know we're ready to go. He just said that! So here we go. The questions were, we're gearing up to hit the podcast studio. We want your opinions for the show. So give us, number one, do the Packers bounce back against the Broncos? And number two, how do you see the season play out from here? Dominic Huaymark, uh, who's coming on the group trip. Well, hey. He says, absolutely bounce back. The bye week will help with a reset. I'm content with an okay season. Season, A winning season would be incredible, but I knew love coming into QB1 would take time to gel. Just get the dub next week against the Vikings so we can all celebrate in Lambeau. Agreed. Steve Sparks, at Steve Sparks 2. Yes, to bounce back. We lose the games against stronger opponents and mostly win against those we should beat. Give Love's development. Each quarter brings a different game with Love increasing in consistency uh, through the second half of the season. Eight and nine with Hard Knocks waiting. I kind of secretly want us to be on Hard Knocks. And I know Murphy came out and said two things. One, if you're at playing midday games, you probably suck. And number two, if you're on Hard Knocks, you probably suck. And that was probably an underhanded thing at the Jets, maybe, at the time. That's how it was read, anyway. But I kind of want to see what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, because I'm doing a Packers history course in the University of Whitewater, Green Bay. And it goes into Lombardi and how he comes in and he changes the culture and all that. I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall. He sounds like a right pain in the arse. Um, and we have Cliff Crystal telling us. It's just this stuff was fascinating. I'd love to see that in the floor here. Anyway, Demo UK Packers says... I think, yes, we take the W against Denver. However, I think it'll be in similar fashion as the Saints win. Lots of spluttering offensively and trying to figure things out. I think the season plays out exactly as it's been going. I'll take an 8-9 and nine or a 9-8 and eight season here. To the point at the top of the podcast, that's, and I'll go on and keep reading them, but I think that's what, that's the ballpark sort of figure for people. Don McIntyre, a guy, again, coming on the trip. Hey, Don. Uh, fingers crossed, but we should beat Denver. All along, I've thought seven wins a decent return this year. Much more than that might be just disguising the various issues which would take time to address. We just need to be showing progress each week. That is a fantastic point. Because it wasn't that long ago, a couple of seasons ago, where Aaron Rodgers was playing lights out. The defense was absolutely awful. We were the top scoring offense in the NFL. And it just papered over the cracks. So sometimes you can have the misfortune of winning. And by that I mean you win and it's like they say in stoicism, you know, you can't learn what you think you already know. So if you go on a win streak, people just go, yeah, we've arrived. And then you don't realize that there's actually massive deficiencies there that are coming home to roost. Uh, Andrew Dayton, win against Denver first, hopefully, then get a new coach and new ideas for next season. Jordan Love gets a season before I'll judge him. Need some players coming in with the Packers mentality. Playoffs are a minimum expectation. They won't hit that this season. Um, new coach and new ideas for next season. Strong words from Andrew Dayton. I see what you're saying. I mean, you know, let's look at last season. We had no answers. Uh, this season has been up and down. I still believe in Matt LaFleur, personally. Um, and I think the schemes he cooks up are good. But... Uh, but again, that's your opinion, um, Andrew, and uh, you're welcome to it. I'm just curious, does, does anybody agree with that? Do you think the floor should go? Um, let me know. Gary Brackey, 
Packers win this game, but the season won't get much better than what we've seen. I see the run game being used more with the acquisition of Robinson. I'm okay with taking the L's. Main thing is uh, for the team to keep playing together and make Love more comfortable under pressure. Uh, Chopstick says, uh, I feel like this is a game we need to win. Denver are a mess and the spider issues, this is a game we ought to win. Yeah, and I know people talk about, is it a must-win game? But it's a really bad show, and if they don't... And anyway, I don't want to march in with 50 Packer fans to the Vikings game in Lambeau with a big glum head on everybody. Uh, Andy Brown, again another uh, guy who's coming on the group trip, hey Andy? Uh, yes, a win. Best performance to date from J-Love. Everyone benefiting from the bye week. Dylan having a better game back as RB2 and Jones doing Jones things. TDs for Musgrave, Watson and Dylan, I hope. A winning season and narrowly scraping into or missing out on playoffs. Um, very optimistic Andy uh, I seriously want to believe that too Ahar yes just which is the win against the Broncos I'm expecting 8-9 to nine wins there's winnable gains but that requires consistency the most important thing to me is that in the final stretch of the season we see evidence hopefully in the form of wins and that Love and the receivers are bonding and are up for the fight I see some great things from Jordan Love and the receivers and he came out this week actually and was talking about how you know, these deep bombs downfield, he's going to stay away from them as such and just go for the easy yardage. That's one of the criticisms that was laid at Aaron Rodgers, in fact. Um, so to see him coming out with that, I wonder who that is coming from. It's surely LaFleur. Because it's not as if LaFleur is calling a couple of option plays and Jordan Love just decides to bang it into triple coverage down the field. And some of those he's been very close on. Um, but it's no secret that they're inaccurate. Uh, K Forsyth, Packers win a close game, 20 to 14. They win a total of eight games. I'm interested, um, K Forsyth, if you can get back to me. Do you say a total of eight games because of the way we're playing up to now? Or is it a total of eight games which is consistent with how you thought at the start of the season? Uh, Tommy Phillips, do we win against the Broncos? No. Uh, and number two, where do we go? A repeat of 2018. Mi vide. Uh, Denver is not a bad team overall, but is right now poorly coached and Wilson isn't protected. Sounds like us, actually. Lol. I give GB half a point. That's his words. Lolling, not me. Irishman don't lol. Uh, Osh Newport, in short, yes. As for the season, if we can get to eight wins, then I would take that. I'll save J-Love judgment until the end of the season. Yeah, look, it's easier when the dust settles, isn't it? And you look at uh, the stats, and but you really need to dig into the game tape. And that's what I like about um, some of the analysts out there. Um, like Dan Orlovsky they look into it and go well look here's the players that were open for him here's his progressions and here's the one he chose and the other guys were covered or it was too risky and he's went to do his third progression and he's hit his third progression he's got short yardage but that was the right one to go for um, and the other team get paid to play too and I think that's the point now should we beat the Broncos yes we should beat the Broncos should we have beaten the Raiders and the answer again was yes now we went away to Las Vegas um, so we're playing on their turf the bookies had them as favourites but I never believed that they were favourites um, and it's very easy to look back in hindsight but had Christian Watson run over for that touchdown things could have been a whole lot different um, but look the rumour is is that Jonesy is, is shaking off this injury and again he was even due to play for the Raiders which is another reason why I would have picked the Packers to win uh, but when he was warming up on the field, it's felt like he tweaked his hamstring so he didn't play. I think that game, the whole landscape of that game is different if Jonesy plays. Um, but anyway, we should beat the Broncos. There's no excuse if we don't beat the Broncos. We're coming off a bye against a team that's really poor. Um, it's As it was said in the comments there, it's a poorly coached squad 
Um, I think Russell Wilson and his wholesomeness really annoys Sean Payton. So I think there's friction there. And as I said, with the long layoff, the Packers need to have answers. And then we'll be over there. So when it comes to podcasts, I'm still going to try doing, folks. And I'm going to give you plenty of video content. But look, I've done an unboxing video and it only took 150 seconds. Now, the unboxing video took an hour and probably a day to edit, right? But the actual video itself was 150 seconds. And some of the items I have got over are absolutely fantastic. If you want a chance to win them and an all-expenses-paid trip next year to our Lambo trip. And the winner this year was Callum Kerrison. And you can see me doing that draw on YouTube live. live. Um, and you can go out and check that out and see how it all works. But get on to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and you can win goodies every single month. I give away three prizes, two that are randomly done and one to a Patreon supporter who's been supporting a long time but hasn't won anything. I get you out and I've got loads of lovely signed picks uh, to give away for those prizes. So anyway, I've been at Steady the NFL. We have been at UK Packers. I'm going to be doing a podcast hopefully straight after that Broncos game, hopefully straight after that Broncos dub. And I might be doing a quick snapage for your giant package uh, just before I fly out. Or what I'm hoping to do is, is go around in London on Thursday night and get sound bites from everybody. See what they feel before we head over stateside. So do stay tuned for that adventure. But anyway, I'll talk to you after the Broncos game and go Pack Go.